Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm another one of your hosts, uh, DM Josh, aka Three-Eyed Sloth. And with that, we are fresh out of hosts. So, we are going to start tying back to episode <laughs> what 117. Happened to, what happened to all the hosts? We ran out. That oh, was it. We okay. only brought two this time. I thought maybe like something really bad happened to them. No, and I said this time, like, there's a time where we had more than two. Maybe there was. But <laughs> so I don't long know when ago. It, yeah, I don't know when it was. But we are going to tie back to episode number 117, bringing the magic of magic to D&D. Artifacts of the Multiverse 2, featuring hashtag Magic Mark. Nice. That is a, that is a mouthful. That is I did a it. very long episode title. I definitely did it in one take, and you'll never know if that's true. <laughs> And we're going to tie back to Diamnastics, number 98, Artifact Checkers. Ah, I, you know what? I didn't get it until you said it out loud, and now I get it. Mm. That's good. That's I, very I good. try. I try. <laughs> so I went to the wonderful website that is magiccards.info slash random.html. And you should too, because it gives you literally a random magic card. And it's none of the new ones, which is also fun because you know, magic has been around for a very long time. So getting these older ones, even if you play recently, these may be unfamiliar to you. That's very true. I remember last time we did this, uh, we did one of these episodes about magic cards not too long ago. It was it a few months ago, roughly? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. So I'm really glad to be doing this again because it's uh it's such a cool idea and this website is a lot of fun to play with and yes. magic magic just like all the cards and stuff have so much theme and flavor that it just kind of is a natural fit so there's so many we could do a bazillion episodes probably on magic cards we could but Maybe we should we will. not no we will not no. do whatever <laughs> imaginary number you came up with but what we're going to do right now is highlight some of the ones that are on the forums josh do you have one that you chose? Yes. There were some very good choices. And a lot of the ones that you picked, uh, that you grabbed from the website and posted on the forums for people to use were very good. And for a little bit of setup, like people don't know, an artifact, specifically in Magic, is a type of card that typically, like, not always, but a lot of times it's represented by equipment, things that creatures or, you know, units in your, your deck would you know, equip to them to enhance them. So it, it, it's easily translatable to D&D or any other RPG because it's it's equipment or it's like items and things that you can physically hold on to. So my favorite one that somebody, uh, let's see, it was DM Caleb came up with. Thank you, DM Caleb. It is Nevenerol's Disc. It is a really creepy looking artifact. It's like an mm-hmm. amulet that has this really just lovely tentacly just gross barbed thing coming out of its like maw uh, that you wear around your neck. Who doesn't love that? But the idea that, so it, it, let me rewind in magic, the, the disc or the amulet, it's really simple. It, you use it and it basically just destroys everything. It's kind of just this obliterating amulet. Uh, it's very powerful. The D and D version that DM Caleb came up with was a lot more interesting to me in that it's a, initially it's a very protective amulet so the wearer 
of it will gain a bonus to armor. So their armor class will increase and it actually increases over time. So the longer they wear it, you know, the more protected they feel. It kind of grows in strength. But the reason why it grows in strength is because it's actually feeding off of you, essentially. It is consuming your life and kind of slowly like eating away at you. After like six weeks or so, it like is progressively more debilitating things like you have are more vulnerable to poison and you have disadvantage on against enchantments and illusions. And then eventually it's you don't regain hit dice when you rest and you don't gain hit points back from resting. And it's just it sounds real bad. <laughs> and I love that. I think that's a really cool idea. And in fact he even gets a little bit more into the the theme of it by describing mm-hmm. it as a parasite. So it's like a it's this parasite that actually takes on a physical form that looks like an amulet. So that's really cool. I like that a lot. It's a it's a fun twist on like the whole cursed item thing where a lot of times there's cursed, you know, items or artifacts in D&D that are just like, hi, I tricked you. It's a, you thought it was this thing, but it's not. This is just something totally even more beyond that. So uh, good job, DM Caleb. I'm a big fan. This is going to be the episode of DM Caleb because I can't pass up the opportunity to highlight the next one, which is. The funniest one. Yeah, this was my. Uh, this almost was my pick. Okay, and the artifact is the dingus egg. Oh, it's so good. Whenever anyone loses a land, egg does two damage to that player for each land lost. So just very straightforward, simple item or artifact rather, and they turned it into an ion stone that when you are attacked with a melee weapon, you have the ability to make an attack with the ion stone with a plus four bonus and then it will deal bludgeoning damage which is really cool i like it because it also works as if it were a magic item in case of resistances and things of that nature now that said again the piece that really draws me in is the story behind it and essentially it started out as a shield guardian that tried to defend someone against an orc horde and just was so stuck on that ability that while it was being destroyed by these orcs and worn down that essence of protection kept working until it was so small it was nothing but an ion stone still protecting the person that it was programmed to do so yeah it's a real good backstory for it So good so good but with that sir you know what time it is Uh uh-oh all right i'm gonna start lifting the mental weights right now all right Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. How about this? I will I'll run the random generator. I will tell you what I get and then you will tell me how that translates into a D&D weapon Ooh. or artifact or whatever. Okay. And I will do the same. Okay. So mine my, my artifact that uh you must give me uh is the sword of fire and ice. The, I'll give you the, the picture. It literally looks like a, a sword hilt, but there's two distinct blades coming from it. One is on fire, and the other one's very frosty looking. It's a pretty goofy picture, but I love it a lot. So okay. that's that's yours. So tell me about this sword of fire and ice. The, my immediate goofy answer was essentially whenever you start liking a character, they die. <laughs> I had the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, George R. R. Martin. Yep. You mean it's, it's him mean in the picture person. holding the sword, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> it's a total joke card. And even before the series came out, beautiful. Right. <laughs> Man, that is an interesting one because I... 
So you want me to read? I'll, I'll read you the, the actual magic card ability, and that okay. may give you some inspiration. So a equipped creature with the Sword of Fire and Ice gains plus two, plus two. So the plus two attack, plus two defense, and it has protection from red and from blue. Whenever the equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, Sword of Fire and Ice deals two damage to target creature or player, and you draw a card. So has has some kind of neat ability specifically for damaging the player, not necessarily a creature on the board. Mm-hmm. So I like messing with the mechanics a little bit more because obviously the very basic fire and ice components are pretty straightforward. That's kind mm-hmm. of like your go-to once you start getting magic. So I'd like the ability of having a sword and you don't know what it is. And I don't want a two-bladed sword that seems weird. Something <laughs> more elegant is what i'm thinking where essentially you have like two metals that have been folded in together and then like when you're first using the sword you actually don't know what's going to happen you don't know if it's going to use ice or fire and then there will be some way that you as the character have to further attune with a sword or its latent power manifests more and then you have control over whether it is fire or ice and then the furthest part of it would be some amalgamation of being able to use both every time i think would be really cool i like that i i think that there is some kind of might be fifth edition or could even be pathfinder that i'm thinking of that there's a weapon i believe that's similar an idea that it can change elements but i don't i'm having a hard time recalling what that is but i like yours it a little bit better like it definitely seems more elegant in that regard yes i did it bravo yeah, the other thing could be, you know, and obviously you would want some person to have this, and I'll leave that up. But I think another cool thing would be like sacrificing things to develop it more. Mm. Like it needs more magical power to like sure. work correctly. I like it. Okay. The one that I have for you. Okay. I'm ready. I actually found several because this site is still amazing. <laughs> but I will go with the Jester's Cap. It is an artifact, of course. Sacrifice the Jester's Cap. Search target player's library for three cards and remove them from the game. Then that player shuffles his or her library. Interesting. So, Jester's Cap. Gosh, I really like the idea of... I mean, one, that card sounds amazing. (laughs) Just in terms of if I was playing Magic, that's, that's pretty sweet. I like the idea of a of a cap or a hat or something that's, you know, looks goofy or silly you know like a jester's cap would but maybe there's some uh things that like in the hands of a bard or something like it it enhances some of their latent abilities like being able to inspire or being able to you know some of their bardic abilities would maybe be enhanced by that because it kind of ties into that but also i could see the jester's cap kind of granting some illusory kind of magic or abilities to the person wearing it like Mm -hmm. perhaps the jester's cap can kind of uh mess with people's perception in a way kind of like an illusion you know like you know not necessarily like altering oneself but more of you know with it on you know the jester's cap can like change people's perception of you like how they you know what they see you as and you can kind of have some control over that uh it kind of adds a little bit to the more chaotic nature instead of just like oh you know it's a disguise hat you know now i look different it's like no like i look the same but people looking at me don't see me the way i am they actually see me as something else and that's kind of a little bit more 
crazy in a way mm-hmm. uh, that I think fits the idea of, of a jester's hat. So I like it. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what spell it is. I mean, the only, I mean, cause I can think of it, it was used on critical role where they all looked like cows, but they mm-hmm. weren't actually cows. It <laughs> makes me think of that. Like you're, yeah, just like all bets are off. You can look and be anything. Kind right. Of. Right. I like it. So do you have another one for me? I do. I have a, I had a few that I'm looking at real fast and I want to narrow down which one I want to throw at you. We'll go with this. This one's kind of straightforward, but it's I'd be interested to see what it looks like in terms of, you know, an actual role playing game. So the Gilded Lotus, it's an artifact that in magic is pretty straightforward. You tap it or you, you know, you use the Gilded Lotus uh, and it just gives you three mana of any one color to your mana pool. It looks like a flower, like a like a, you know, something you would wear, like a brooch or something that you'd, you know, pin. But it greatly enhances one's, you know, mana uh, by giving them three of any color on a turn. So I'd be curious to see what that looks like. Okay, so my gut reaction was lame, but I'll tell you what it was anyways. (laughs) And then I'll tell you the cooler idea that I developed it into. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, the the quick and easy would be it's used to restore spell slots. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Yeah, and then you could do the whole, I mean, 5e short long rest to restore it i mean i would definitely go long if you're gonna have it start restoring spell slots but what i think would be cooler is if you could have uses that would restore as if you had taken a short rest oh so it wouldn't just be useful for you know the spellcaster maybe your fighter just used their action surge but now you can essentially give them an additional action surge by using the Gilded Lotus. Oh, I like that. And that way you I mean, it could be more cross-party. You know, and one character could still have it, but essentially have the ability to dole those out to the other characters in the party so that whoever's low on resources, but it seems like they could really use them, you can do it. That way it's not just this one thing that the one character uses every time. Got it. That's pretty cool. I, I, I just found one that I wish I would have seen earlier because that one's a super cool, but I'll save it. I'll, I'll put, I'll tuck that one away. Okay. We will probably get to it. All right. <laughs> uh, so the other thing I thought was that the Gilded Lotus would be a re it just feels like an artifact that you would find at the middle of like a thieves guild and oh. like kind of like the prize for going through something like that. I think it'd be, yeah, because I can just see like that suave person who has this, you know, it's like a badge. Yeah, like this large gilded lotus sitting on a pedestal at the end of like this harrowing dungeon or something like that. Oh, I like that. That's cool. I mean, even oh, I mean, if you're really gonna kick it off for story wise, you're gonna steal it from the gilded lotus, which is like the name of the thieves' guild. Right. That makes sense. Have fun. I like the synergy there. Okay. I really like this one, and I don't know what you're going to do with it, so okay. we'll do that. This one... So one of the other things about magic is that some of the artifacts are creatures. Usually that's going to end up being a golem or a construct of some sort. So this one is the composite golem. And so sacrifice composite golem. Add essentially every land type to your mana pool. 
What? It binds it binds the five suns in human form. What? Because there's five types of land, right? That is that is cool. One, two, three, four, five. There's five types of yes. land, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. Hmm. Wow. I like that a lot. Well, I think my first my gut reaction is that this is obviously some kind of golem or construct or whatever that is purely comprised of just magic energy or you know it it's it's like magical energies that have been either you know naturally like they've coalesced or someone has kind of refined these energies into an actual like physical form that you know can move that can you know interact with like it's it's like uh you know, taking like an element and solidifying it, you know, in this case, though, it's, you know, it's actual magic energy, you know, uh, that has just been like crystallized perhaps or something like into that effect. And this, this creature is able to perhaps use like that just latent magic energy that it's composed of to just spill out, you know, it can kind of just release its own magical energies like from itself to just, you know, anyone nearby so like anyone say maybe uh other wizards or you know people that can tap into magic or whatever that are near it can start you know maybe siphoning or you know consuming some of that magic energy that it's it's letting off so and it and it's not like keyed to any specific type of magic either it's just like pure raw magical energy that this thing just exudes when you know maybe not all the time maybe it's something that it just can do Mm-hmm. And maybe doing so like weakens it or destroys it e- even, but it's something that maybe it's almost like a magic battery that like walks around, you know, and is able to like do do your bidding and all that stuff. So yeah, I also like the idea of like switching through certain types of magic, okay, and almost like switching into the elemental forms possibly or something along those lines. I think sure would be, would be cool too. That would be cool. I like it. That's a good one. Good job. Good job throwing that one at me. I like that a lot. Bam. I've got one for you. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready for you to, to tackle this one. All right. I've got Delif's Cube. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. It's a picture of a green cube that's like slightly disintegrating in a way. Mm-hmm. So the card says when you use it, if a target creature you control attacks and is not blocked. It deals no damage to your opponent. Instead, you put a cube counter on Delph's cube. Seems straightforward. You know, it's kind of building up strength. However, then you can remove a cube counter from it to regenerate a target creature. Basically, you know, bring it back to life, that kind of thing. So you're, huh. you use the cube to attack and charge energy into the cube, and then you can spend the cube's power to kind of heal or you know regenerate creatures that is super interesting yeah especially since i don't know how to (laughs) make that into a cool mechanical effect okay this is really interesting and i really like it so the first thing that i can think of is using this with like the battle cleric concept where essentially they can wade into battle and you're not really be afraid because they're probably in full plate with the tower shield so of course they're not afraid sure but essentially having this you know as a necklace or even if it were like a ring or something along those lines and they'll hit the target and do whatever damage that they would normally do 
but rather than it actually damaging the creature, it is stored as available health to heal later and whenever oh, they want. Oh, that's real good. And so then, you know, oh, let's man. say, you know, let's say you did, you were going to do ten damage. You could choose to store that ten damage as healing inside of Delif's cube to then, you know, give to the person that's about to die or. <sighs> So that is I my, like that a lot. That is my idea with that to me. And I mean, I could see some there's potential for some like shenanigans, I guess, you know, yeah, if you had like a really super cheesy character, you know, that just outputs lots of damage, you know, do that. They mm-hmm. could be like, oh, I stored 100 points of damage in the cube, but now I'm going to heal someone. But I like the trade, though, that you are sacrificing. I mean, that's that's 100 points of damage you could have inflicted on. Mm-hmm. the creature you know so it's it's so interesting I, I i feel like that has a cool balance to it that i'm i'm really intrigued now how that would play mm-hmm. oh man you i i i almost feel like i need to introduce that into one of my games because it sounds amazing and the other thing that i thought would be cool in terms of like a story behind it is that it's an artifact that is given to someone of someone protecting someone of importance okay you know, and so like the head of the king's guard or something along those lines or you know and your party is tasked with transporting or escorting <laughs> your favorite type of quest escort quest and they are given this artifact potentially okay. as a way to help with that process that's interesting that would be really cool i like that good job okay. yes i've done it <laughs> and in fact we've done it so I would ask this question, but you're not a guest. But where can people go to find <laughs> you and I on the internet? Well, we can be found in a number of places. Uh, you can reach us through good old email by sending an email to dmnastics at gmail.com. We're also on the Twitter. Uh, you can find the show at dmnastics. You can find me at Josh Clyde. What about you? You can find me at Jokemoniac, and both of those Twitter handles are on the main Twitter, DMnastics. And of course, for everything else on the network, you can head over to BlockPartyPodcastNetwork.com. So, we have an interesting thing that we're going to start doing. You have already heard about this in an announcement. And so, to ease ourselves and have a little post-workout cool down and stretch, we are going to head into the light bulb. That was my light bulb impression. Mm-hmm. Light bulb. So today for the light bulb, we are going to talk about something that Wait, I think is. Hold, hold on. Hold on, Mr. Neil. No, did I what, take it? What is a light bulb? Like an actual physical thing? Or do you want to talk about the segment? I, yes. What, how does light work? Ah, <laughs> uh, you see. So the light bulb is an old segment that we used to have that is essentially ideas to put into your game that are fun things that we've implemented in our own campaigns, seen on the internet, all kinds of fun things that are usually a little bit lighter and less crunchy than the other content that we have. So... We decided to bring it back with our change in the schedule, and mainly because a lot of people have asked for us to bring it back. So we have listened, and here we are. You're a very giving DM. I try. (laughs) I feel like you set me up for the perfect segue, because today 
on the light bulb, we are going to talk about physical currency that ah. you could give to your players. That's right. I'm a big fan of actual like physical props in general at the table. So tell me a little bit about the type of physical currency that you had in mind. So there is a super cool company called Norse Foundry, and they recently came out with a pirate type of coin that you could get. And one might call it booty. Oh, I see what you did. There. Ah, ah. And it's fairly inexpensive to get a set of them that you could give to your players. And that company actually has a set for just about anything that you could imagine. Dragons, elves, space coins, Roman coins, pretty much anything. And they're a great way to use for inspiration. That's one thing that I like using them for. And you know, because it's a physical thing that the player can turn in. It's a physical reminder of something. So I think it is a great thing to add to your table. It just adds some actual, I don't know, physicality. Any, anything like money and stuff, it, it makes it a little bit more real to your players instead of just, you know, abstract numbers on a character sheet of how much gold you have. Like being able to feel it and hold it just makes it more interesting i f i think you know for lack of a better word so i'm a big fan of uh actual coins and you can check out norse foundry in the show notes and i think that if people uh use physical coins like norse foundry or other types of coins in their games they should take pictures the next time they they are playing or running their game send them to us at our uh at twitter at dmnastics i think that is 100 percent true you should do that but I think also with that, we can go ahead and turn out the lights in the gym and head on out. But before that, I just want to implore you, the listener, to join up on the forums and take part in these challenges and exercises, as well as all of the other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try out some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Can I trust you will add your own cardio? Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. What are you doing? Horizontal running.